the idea of a fit is this person does this person get me do they understand me is such a big deal uh, we want to spend some time on that uh, in today's show folks welcome to counselors can help let's demystify the process of counseling we want to remove barriers answer your questions educate entertain and inspire you to action today's show is once again with liza telford we're going to talk about the Therapeutic Alliance and just how the fit you have with your therapist is very important and may in fact be the most important thing. We'll also get to hear Liza's story and learn some very juicy information about her and myself. All right, welcome back to the show. Counselors Can Help. I am uh, Meryl Fink, a associate clinical mental health counselor in the state of Utah. I'm here with Liza Telford. She is an associate marriage and family therapist. Did I get that right? Well done on your initials. We, we got the alphabet soup correct. Okay, uh, today's show, we want to start with an idea of, it sounds like a funny term, but we call it the therapeutic alliance. And what that means is really how well you get along, how well you work together, right? And funny, and we were talking before the show, there is something really important about this. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you say? You were talking about percentages earlier. What's the big percentage reveal here about the, the alliance <laughs> well, about how important it is. Well, you would ask me that because now I don't know if I have them exactly right. <laughs> but we'll approximate. But we'll approximate. We'll approximate. I, the two that stand out the most to me that I think are the critical pieces that I remembered from the study is as therapists, we do all this schooling to learn modalities. And a modality is just the type of therapy. What are we using to take someone from A to Z? right, in a series of sessions. So that would be a modality. And this study showed the process of change being only 15% reliant on what modality is presented to someone. And that 40% was on for as far as if the person would feel like therapy was helpful, or that change had occurred, 40% was reliant on the therapeutic alliance. Yeah. And this connection between the client and therapist and how comfortable they felt and just how they felt able to process in a safe place and get where they needed to go yeah. for change. So their working relationship, the alliance was more important than things like the degrees the uh, therapist had, mm -hmm. whether they had a PhD by their name or some other alphabet soup that they had, mm -hmm. more important than how long the therapist had actually been doing this, mm -hmm. in fact. So or what school they had gone to. <laughs> right. So the alliance, this, this idea of how well you, you work together is so important that it seems to govern everything else. So it's the, it's the thing that is most indicative or points to your outcome. Will this thing really work? Will it get done quickly? Will you get work done? Will you learn something this alliance is so important. We spend as therapists a lot of time figuring out how to get the best alliance, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of techniques. A lot of this is on our shoulders, right? If we're being honest, I mean, a good portion of it right. is. At least initially. Yeah, we feel it is. We spend so much time thinking about it, talking about it, figuring out how we can have a better one. And honestly, we're upset when it isn't that good. We sense when it's not good, right? Do you... Mm -hmm. Do you, do you feel warm and fuzzy with every client you've ever sat down with? That feels loaded. <laughs> That's a loaded question, Meryl. Right. No, but I do feel like with time and experience, you start to gain um, insight as a therapist as to how to get to an alliance with someone and what's going to work and what's not. But yeah, every person that comes through my door I don't think oh we are best of friends inside <laughs> yeah. and out this is gonna be yeah and I don't and I, I agree with you I don't I don't think of it as like dislike I think of more as some people they're just I don't know there's an energy in the room where we just seem right. to get stuff done right we just seem to be able to handle anything that comes along and if it goes bad we laugh about it or whatever I mean there's just uh, such a more loose atmosphere mm -hmm. I guess with certain clients and we want that with every client. Mm -hmm. We want to figure out how to bottle that and shake it up and put it in the room every time we get in there. So it's a very big deal. So um, you may be asking as a listening to the show, well, how does that, how is that relevant to me as a client? What, what can I get out of that? And 
I guess the first thing that I would say is to see if you have a good alliance with the person that you go Mm -hmm. to see. What if you're not feeling it Mm -hmm. with that person? Uh, I always ask my clients to give me at least two sessions before they decide themselves that we don't have a good fit just yet. Yeah. Or even a couple, a few sessions Mm -hmm. to just see if um, some of the things that I do are that work for them or if we can just have enough of an honest conversation about where we're headed and the way I see therapy and the, what they're looking to get out of it. Yeah. But I do think it is very much a two way street that way. Yeah. I like the way you said that. Another, another way I put it, the two session thing you said, I tell people, um, if you coming up to the building and you're pulling the door handle open to come in here and you're thinking, Oh God, that's not good. <laughs> we we got to do something different here. You yeah. shouldn't be thinking, oh God, you know, when you're walking in here, you yeah. should be thinking, yeah, I'm going to learn something or, or feel like I've gotten some relief I'm or help. Or relief. This person gets me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're going to have a good conversation. So if that's not happening and you've given the person two, three sessions, um, then certainly I think you have to say something or, or admit that to them. Uh, there'll be a separate show down the line regarding, uh, actually we'll do a, a complete segment on clients that feel like they want to quit, that they mm-hmm. want to stop. And I think because there's a lot of variables in there, um, and that it's not always an obvious choice or they just don't know what to do. And so I uh, definitely want to give them some options there, but early on the idea of a fit is this person, does this person get me? Do they understand me? Mm-hmm is such a big deal. It may sound kind of petty in some ways, but it's actually a very important thing. So uh, we want to spend some time on that uh, in today's show. So my question to Liza is, as you're sitting down with a good, with a client, what makes a good relationship from the client's perspective? Are there things that you can think of like, oh yeah, I, I really like when the clients do this or that, or uh, what, what sort of inspires you, I guess, from mm. what you see? Uh, from the person across from you? Okay. I, I That's a great question because I haven't really thought of it as inspiring, but it is amazingly helpful to work with people that are willing and open to being self-reflective. Mm-hmm. And I call it right-sizing something where, and I don't even know if that's an actual word. I may have made that up. I heard it in my <laughs> program good. years Sounds ago wonderful. and thought that actually works for exactly how I describe this, that some things that being able to take responsibility for where I am in a situation okay. and other contributors to it, whether it's with a spouse or with a child, but being able to be self-reflective and say, I have a part in this and so do others. Yeah. And that is a particularly helpful trait and not one that we all walk in with. We are not going to walk in and say, I am going to mirror, I'm going to look in the mirror and just say, wow, this, that's um, something I can work on. But at least being open to it, yeah. to being self-reflective yeah. is pretty critical. I also, I encourage people to become self-reflective Instead of shaming ourselves for a situation we're in, I ask for curiosity mm. and just, can we be curious about a situation instead of critical? I am doing this wrong. This person has done me wrong. Can I get curious about it? Why does that bug me so bad? Or just curiosity in general of that makes sense that, that I'm in this situation. How so? So it can, but curiosity, self-reflection, I would say two pretty critical pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like how you started that with, it's almost like there is some degree of responsibility that we have that is, uh, coaching them on, Hey, it's not about you knowing exactly what you did wrong or what they did wrong. It maybe is just as much about of saying, I really don't understand this part of the process. I don't know. I feel like I did something wrong here, or maybe I could be better at negotiating or communication or whatever it is, just being open to the fact that there's probably something I could learn here or do different. I don't have to come in this room with all the answers, just being open about, 
hey, I'd like to know a few things here, and I really have no idea where that went wrong. Right. I'd right. Like, to, like to talk about that. And we've talked in previous podcasts that I work with a lot of couples. And so I try to get real open with the curiosity and self-reflection with a couple. Obviously, if someone is coming in and feels particularly depressed and we're working from an angle of depression symptoms, I'm not going to say, what is your responsibility in that (laughs) and go right for that? It's just an opportunity to say, to be reflective of um, to, for me in dealing with depression, I would want to first and foremost, look the client in the eyes and say, you will not feel like this forever. Because I think depression brings in its own set of feelings of already feeling like this is all my fault. So I would really want to at least highlight in this podcast that it depends on what comes in the room. And Mm -hmm. that's my job. Absolutely. And for you to, to the phrase you just used, the you won't feel this way forever, they have to trust you on that. Right. They have to have some belief that you and they are going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And they probably don't necessarily believe you in that moment that they're not going to feel this way forever. forever. Often probably they don't. And because we don't know each other so well, they have to really <laughs> lean into that. But to borrow a phrase from Sue Johnson in EFT, she talks about it being a flight plan and that therapy can be seen as, no, I don't, well, this is funny speaking to a pilot, but no, I don't know the flight plan as the passenger. I'm trusting that you do and that you know where we're headed. And so I try to convey to a client coming in the room that I do have a flight plan. Yeah. And there's some degree of the alliance is important because there's some degree of trust that the client sort of has to have in the beginning because you're going to ask some things of them they didn't expect to do or don't necessarily believe in the moment of, hey, just come back next week. We'll work through it. We'll keep Mm -hmm. working through it. We don't know how long this is going to take. You're going to have to trust me here that we can make progress. That we can make progress. And if they believe you and they believe in how you work together, they're likely to take you up on that Mm -hmm. offer. I've seen it lots. (laughs) (laughs) And that belief is, is sort of what we're talking about here. It's part of the, the process of trusting each other. Um, it it may be other things too, just as simple as just coming to the, to the sessions. I mean, Mm -hmm. something as simple as I don't feel like coming in today. Mm -hmm. That's something you could talk about when you get in and say, well, maybe it's not anything in, particular, but I didn't want to come in today. I don't know why, or I do know why I have this thought or this idea. That's okay. That's perfectly, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you say that's acceptable conversation, right? Oh, absolutely. They don't have to go, oh, I was just totally jazzed about, you know. (laughs) I like to feel really hard and stuck emotions. Please, can we do that next week? Yeah, I just like being around your your presence so much. Um, It's okay to, to say, I didn't really feel like coming in or I've thought about quitting or I'm thinking this is, I got so much stuff going on. I don't even know where to begin. Mm -hmm. It's okay to admit that. Mm -hmm. And I think that is another critical piece of a therapeutic alliance is the honesty of, can I say hard things to another human being? Yeah. And not have them react defensively and maybe or maybe the typical way that you would expect uh, a relative that you know or mm-hmm. somebody around you that is you're maybe disagreeing with etc mm-hmm. um, yeah so also this idea of maybe a good reliance or a alliance is also built on the idea that we don't have to come up with the answer in three sessions that it's going to take some time to build. We got to sort through some pieces. Trust that I know where we're going here, but I can't give you a deadline. I can't give you a timeline. But if you keep coming, keep showing up, I promise I'm going to do everything I can to help you. And if you do your part with any homework or any any things that we want to do outside of the session, that would really speed this up. I mean, what it comes down to is how do you get the most out of therapy? How do you get the most for the money that you're paying, spend the least time here, get the most bang for your buck, if you will. Um, Some of that is on the client. I mean, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. 
yeah, I, I think there's, that would be right sizing responsibility, <laughs> right? Of yeah. how much is, how much can I do and how much is the client responsibility for taking in information and saying, okay, okay, that is something I'm doing, or I haven't tried it that way, or maybe I could look at that differently. Yeah. Or even just putting in that effort to me gives me energy mm-hmm. as a as a therapist, as the counselor, because I know that person is giving everything they can. I'm I have to match that. I have to put as much into it as I can. Um, I don't want to let them down. I want to solve the problem. I want to get at what's going on here and their tenacity, I guess, helps move me forward too. And I think we kind of feed off each other in that way. Oh, absolutely. Adjusting your own energy to what comes into the room is yeah. takes some experience and some maturity as yeah. a therapist. Okay. What if it goes, what if the alliance is poor? Uh, a little bit of that, I guess, just bring it up and maybe it may be something that you can't fix. And the fix then becomes, well, we find you a new therapist. Don't mm-hmm. sour on therapy itself. Don't give up on the process because we are not necessarily getting along or there's a characteristic about me that you'd prefer I didn't have. Uh, that's not really your fault as the client. It's the cards you were dealt and you, I'd rather thinking it over, I'd rather be talking to a female. Mm-hmm. I think well, that happens. I, I think that's really important. And also to, again, not shame yourself that you're doing it wrong as the client or that they are, but that's, there's a lot of therapists and there's a lot of ways to go about this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there are many choices. Usually if you're, if you're in private practice, like we are, mm-hmm. there's a pretty large group of people that to choose from, we don't have to lock into, well, we gave you the person and if that doesn't work, then, you know, you're done. That's not the idea at all. It's certainly, I think it's fair to say we take it hard as a, as a counselor. If someone says, well, I didn't really feel it with you or, um, I'm not sure you get me. That's kind of crushing. Uh, we feel like we've failed a little bit. Um, but that doesn't mean we give up on you, the client. That means we try to get you the person that is right for you. Right. And so there's, there's, there's a good end to that story. Don't feel my message to, to the clients out there would be people who are thinking about coming in for therapy. Don't feel like you've got to hold that one in. Um, because if you are, and you're not feeling it coming in, you're probably not getting out of it what you need. It's going to end badly. You're just delaying the inevitable kind of. So Delaying the uh, inevitable is a really good way to put that. <laughs> because it, as I said, 40% yeah. is it really important that you make a good connection. Yeah. Um, I had a female that was seeing me and, and she was in the military and had been, this was her second marriage. And there were stepchildren involved. And I think kind of self-blaming to some degree about how the first marriage had gone and this one isn't going so well. And there were thoughts of, well, maybe I'm just not. And we literally had the conversation of maybe I'm meant to live alone, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of heartbreaking, uh, actually. And we just worked through that. Again, that's one of those, one of those, um, let's just, let's talk about it. Let's, you know, there's no wrong thought, but they were literally thinking, well, I'm just going to end this marriage because I'm not made for this. But we talked about some things, but they, they, but she didn't give up. It was like, okay, what, what can I do? How can I change this? What, what can I do when I go home? And this wasn't couples therapy. This was just a, an individual who, was really working through a lot of stuff and it was obvious that her relationship at home was the big centerpiece of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think just the sheer either tenacity or, or I'm just going to give it a try. I don't know if it's, I got nothing else to lose kind of thing. And she started doing some of the things that we talked about about going home and uh, there were some techniques about just how to talk with her spouse and just some different ideas. And literally within like a week or two, it was a night and day attitude of just the person walking in the room was 
making statements like not only did she think her marriage and her family situation was different, that it changed her whole work environment. I mean, just her whole attitude of how she approached people and, and allowing them, you know, simple things like, what do you think about this situation? Or, you know, tell me how you're feeling. I mean, just, just things that we coach people up on and just mm-hmm. communication stuff was quite frankly stunning to me. I mean, I was literally expecting a person walking in going, well, you know, it's divorce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and just, yeah. if, was it, it a few sessions? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. literally like one or two sessions after we started talking about these concepts that she put into place, just did it. I, you know, cause normally you would think, well, people are going to be kind of slow to put these into practice. Mm-hmm. It's a little difficult. It's, um, it's hard to change your uh, approach that you do with hard situations at home with kids, etc. Um, but it was, I was really honestly blown away at how fast the change happened and how quickly it spread into everything and how her attitude was different in every way. Um, and I, and I only put that at the, at the feet of, I don't know that what I was telling her was all that inspirational or, or genius. I'm sure that it was. (laughs) I'm sure it was lightning in a bottle. Of course it was. Um, (laughs) but I think it was just purely the attitude of, I'm going to give it a try. Yeah. I'm just going to go home and give it a try. And see how this turns out. And I think when they when she got a different reaction immediately from her family, that was sort of the aha moment mm-hmm. of wow, this actually can can be different. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a battle about everything. You know, we can actually agree on stuff. Or if we disagree, that's okay. And if we disagree, it's okay. Yeah. So I guess that to me that was an example of a person who's just willing to give it a try. And, and I don't think she had any great expectations that any of this was really going to work. Like I said, her, her, her idea was, she literally said the words, I'm meant to live alone. Mm. And that changed in less than a dozen days, probably. She had received so much negative feedback for what was happening in her world that one shift of that one change of that just whatever you had told her to try and she was willing to try she leaned into it Mm -hmm. and she went for it that is the miracle of therapy yeah yeah trying something different and learning that it can be have a different outcome Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that we can't necessarily show you you can't necessarily read that out of a book it's something you have to experience and do and i guess and if you have a good alliance with the person that you're seeing and talking to these situations about you could come up with some pretty good ideas, things to try that will help you sort of work out, well, how would this work in real life? I mean, mm-hmm. there's things we do called role play, right? I right. Mean, I'll be you, you be her, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of it stuff. It is really helpful <laughs> yeah. to practice. Yeah, because I've, I've had clients will, that will say, oh, that will never work or they're, they're never going to go for that. Right. Like, okay, well, let's talk about how that would go exactly. How so. would that go? And yeah, what is what are you actually, what is the message you actually want heard? Yeah. And even practicing, what is that person hearing? What do you yeah. think the other person is hearing? Yeah. Um, okay. That's um, awesome. Well, any, does this remind you this discussion that we're having of just an example of a client? Does this tickle any brain cells yes, for you of, it does. of someone That's who funny you you said that because as you were talking I thought well it's because it went so fast that it kind of slipped my mind but I worked with a couple several years ago um and there was a pornography issue and I the wife came in really feeling um like this just was not going to work and really upset about it and by normalizing for her that this um, alliance that having just saying it out loud I mean they'd been dealing with this big huge problem and no one knew just between the two of them because it it because it involved pornography it felt very shameful and in the culture that they had come from it was um, really taboo for them to talk about it with anyone and so which sounds almost funny now 
because of how often it comes up in therapy mm-hmm. and how you, you're sitting here going, hmm, how did that not seem common, normal? To actually normalize that and have them come in and just say out loud, we have an issue with pornography in our marriage was like just to say it out loud Mm -hmm. to get to a place that another person can hear what's going on taking the shame out of um there being a problem at all was revolutionary oddly that just in a few sessions and they were able to go on and use all these resources that were available to them that because they no longer felt shame about what they were dealing with, they could actually open their eyes to instead of the shame and the closed off feeling of it's just us and us is not working, Mm -hmm. that there were these other options. It was amazing. And there's no way that would have happened if they didn't feel a connection with me or with the situation to feel safe enough to actually say it out loud. They'd come in because they had a communication issue. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was actually really fast. And he ended up doing, um, a pornography whole program separately and they are, they're doing fantastic. Yeah. And it's all because they were willing to, I guess, identify the problem as clearly as they could and maybe just come in and, and, and say, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And this feels big and scary and horrible and hopeless and please tell us you have something for us. Yeah. And we're willing to do what you do, what what we talk about in mm-hmm. this room. We're willing to, to willing. put it into practice. Mm-hmm. We're willing to admit what we've, where, where it's gone wrong, what maybe our part of that was, and just be ready to engage in the room, I guess, and for, for whatever, whatever was there. Right. It was um, amazing. And, and that in a subject matter that, they had probably spent years being terrified to even talk about or admit. Right. Well, him for sure. Um, and then once it, once it became a their problem, because it was before marriage and then after marriage. And um, yeah, it was completely new to them to think that you could talk about this out loud. Yeah. And I bet you their attitude had a bit, would have been a lot different had they, looked in your eyes and decided you didn't get them or you had a maybe in their perception an agenda you were trying mm-hmm. to push forward or just something about you maybe it was nothing necessarily specific but if they didn't feel like you understood them or got them they probably would have walked yeah. out in a completely different way right absolutely i think that rests solely on the therapist, at least for the first session. Yeah, which is why we put a lot of time into it, which mm-hmm. is why we spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about it. How do I make mm-hmm. them feel comfortable? How mm-hmm. do we get them in a place in the room where they feel like they can say those things and it's okay that we we, we have confidence in them? Um, we're, we're not trying to make them feel worse. It's right. not a we're smarter, you know, kind of thing. Um, we it's almost unreal. Like you said, from the beginning of this discussion, how much is in just the Alliance itself and how much of that is meaningful to how this whole thing turns out is actually kind of, in some ways, ways unbelievable. (laughs) It's, I think the word you're looking for is frightening (laughs) on the basis of the therapist side of uh, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, for sure. But also I believe many of the therapists that I, I see as colleagues and friends were drawn to this profession because of that, yeah. that they have a way of connecting with people and now they have the educational backing and modalities to be helpful. And what's different between this is going to see your, your family doctor or whatever is that person can be a complete jerk. Mm-hmm. They just need to give you the pills or the surgery or the, you know, whatever they try not to be. I mean, that's not their, their way, but that Alliance isn't necessarily, that's more based on is that person competent or they giving me the right pills, et cetera. This is something entirely different. You have to believe in the person, um, and, and show up with, 
uh, I guess, wanting to do your part, give it your, give it your all as a client, and we'll do everything we can on our end to make sure you're comfortable, make sure your questions are answered, and trying to get to the bottom of what, what brought you in there. Right. Yeah. Okay. We are out of time. We are out of time. <laughs> okay. Well, the, uh, the next segment we'll discuss with Liza what brought her into counseling so you could get to know her a little bit well, better? That is a cliffhanger. <laughs> we will cliffhanger. We'll, we'll talk about the ins and outs, the turns uh, that went with that as we begin another session of Counselors Can Help. Folks, we hope you're enjoying the show Counselors Can Help. If you are, please spread the word to family members and friends who might be interested in this topic. Also, don't forget the resource counselorscanhelp.com. It's a great place to look to find a therapist in your area or one that you may be able to use telehealth counseling for. Also, you can get direct access to show downloads, information about hosts, guests on the show, and also contact us with any questions you may have. Now we invite you to listen to the second segment of the show where Liza and I reveal deep, dark secrets about ourselves. I didn't feel worthy to be there. Maybe I've done something wrong or um, I wasn't prepared enough. And so I just felt really. Um, like imposter syndrome kind of yes, thing. Like yes. If they only knew. If they only knew how evil and dark I really was <laughs> and all of these terrible thoughts just zooming through this 21. Now I can say it and I honestly can laugh about it. At the time, it felt very overwhelming, mm. very dark. Oh, I would have been just horrible at this. I would have been completely awful. All right, we're back to Counselors Can Help uh, with now a, a special segment that I've been looking forward to for a long time, uh, and that is to hear um, Liza's story of how she got into the mental health counseling business. Um, I, we've mentioned before on the podcast that many people get into this. We think 80 to 90 percent of all therapists have a story, mm -hmm. right? I don't know. That's I not wish a, there was an exact statistic. Yeah, there's not an exact scientific uh, measured percentage, but we, Liza and I, think it's quite high. At least the good ones. <laughs> That's right. The good ones have <laughs> a story. So the next logical question is, what is your story? If so, I'm a good one. Yes, I want to and hear all the details, the gory details of your story. Um, and I, I, I guess I do it for a couple of reasons. One is to let folks, I think, I think it's a great way to introduce or learn about mm -hmm. a person is is that bit of story i personally tell my story every time to a new client i give oh, them i you? have a, a very quick spiel that i give at the beginning of a session um i'm not sure why i do that exactly i, I think the the message is i'm one of you kind of mm -hmm. kind of thing i didn't you know do this because i thought it was interesting or fun or whatever that that i came here for a reason um and something drew me in i was drug in Kicking and screaming. Were you? Right. But, but I mean, the whole experience of what I went through, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for that. But I think it was crucial to me mm -hmm. being here in, in, as a counselor, as a therapist, mm -hmm. because I think it gave me a perspective I never would have had mm -hmm. um, and didn't have before. So uh, what I'm interested in is to hear your account of uh, however short or long you wish to uh, <laughs> to make it, um, of, well, of what what how did you get here? What what's the what's the backstory? What's the the hero's backstory? We need to know uh, about Liza Telford. To really cheer for me? Yes, yes, absolutely. We we must know. <laughs> we must know the story. <laughs> well, um, I think it's really interesting that you connect the dots of um, that you came in kicking and screaming but you left wanting to be a therapist or a counselor. Mm -hmm. However, did you know that before you even finished? Finished therapy? Mm -hmm. No. Oh, God, no. no. I was still fighting. Oh, still... even through your whole process. <laughs> yes. I I mean, I ended therapy okay, but I had by no means, I felt, had this solved in my head. Oh, okay. And it was a while before I went, hmm, I wonder if I could help the next person. Other people. And then that turned into more and more things. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I did not. This was not a thing on my mind in therapy at all. Mm. Well, I went into therapy, not quite kicking and screaming, but as I think a lot of people experience having my floor dropped out from life. Mm -hmm. 
And at the time I was 21 and I had decided to serve an LDS mission. And I was just a kid that grew up um, pretty typical middle class. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, not that I hadn't ever seen any challenges or that, but for the most part, life went my way. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's a safe assessment of my childhood. (laughs) Things were going well. (laughs) I mean, I was in a big family, the fourth of seven children. So I definitely didn't always get my way in, but I always had friends to play with, whether they were siblings or friends. I did well in school. So by just by nature of my personality and where I was in my family, I think life just kind of went my way. Yeah. And for those, I guess, not familiar, an LDS mission is, what does that look like as far as, right. there's some time away from home here? What, right. what does this so look like? For a, a young woman, which I was at 21, it's a commitment for um, receiving a call, um, a letter from the church saying that you will serve for 18 months in a missionary capacity of talking to people about the church in either a foreign land or in or domestic mission, whether you were in the U.S. somewhere or whether you were international. And I was asked to go in my letter to Venezuela and I was pretty stoked about it. And at the in the back of my mind, there was this I don't really want to do this, but I've always said I was going to do, I, I've always done what I said I was going to do. Okay. And so right there, I put my brain in this rocker hard place where, but I didn't know I was so hesitant. Um, there's just a lot of cultural rhetoric around, um, you'll be challenged not to, you know, not to follow through with that, or maybe that fills, um, like obstacles will get in your way because this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of fought through that a little bit, but I really truly entered, um, when I left on this mission, this service mission, I left feeling like this was not the right call for me, but I went anyway. And as I went in through this training process, um, these, what I could only now see as OCD tendencies, me trying to control my thoughts to this obsessive point of that. I just didn't feel, um, at the time I labeled it as I don't feel worthy, like Mm self-worth. I didn't feel worthy to be there. Maybe I've done something wrong or, um, I wasn't prepared enough. And so I just felt really. Um, like imposter syndrome kind of yes, thing. It's like yes. if they only knew. If they only knew how evil and dark I really was <laughs> and all of these terrible thoughts just zooming through this 21. Now I can say it and I honestly can laugh about it. At the time, it felt very overwhelming, mm. very dark, very scary. I'd never, um, being raised in a family of seven, when a counselor said to me at this missionary training center where I was at the time, um, you seem to be, dealing with some obsessive compulsions, um, just some thoughts that resonate with OCD. And I laughed because I was like, I am in a family of seven. I've never lock checked in my life. I've never washed my hands twice, like Ah, of what I thought OCD looked like. And anyway, fast forward, I ended up coming home from my mission. And of course, my parents are grappling with what to do with this I was a pretty vibrant, energetic, animated young woman. And I was, I felt really broken. Like I felt overwhelmed. I'd said I was going to do this thing and I couldn't do it. And I couldn't complete the task or fulfill the mission. And it just felt devastating. I just never felt that. So on top of these, this obsessive feeling of getting it right or feeling um, that I wasn't worthy, I was dealing with these depression symptoms that I just didn't even know what to do with. And so I was, uh, my parents asked if I wanted to go see a counselor and I went to one and it just, I think I felt um, it just wasn't a good fit. Mm. I just didn't find any relief and it actually took a few. And down the road, I'm just not, I'm going to skip a few pages because (laughs) this story would be way too long. But essentially, 
I landed with what I now would say my cultural opposite. And he was amazing. He was a Jewish, um, Jewish in his religion and race, actually, but he was from New York and so different from my Utah cultural roots that he just, you would think it would be just an extremely odd fit, but he was now I can see he was a master at the therapeutic alliance and just meeting me where I was at and helping me not feel crazy and just giving me the space to be curious about my experience versus trying to logically understand Mm -hmm. instead just helping me work through the feelings of what it looked like to have things not go the way you think they're going to go. So, and I didn't know any of the details of the story. So this is fascinating. So we're doing this on this therapeutic Alliance show. And so a couple of things are popping up. One is you've shown the process can work by not succeeding with the first person. Right. That That is absolutely critical. And I say that to clients every time. Yeah. That it's not required that we come in and we, set it off right away that don't give up on the process because the first person you were with, you feel like, I don't know, you were missing something or whatever and made it hard to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who knows. Uh, but you were able to achieve success, I guess, by, by keeping trying that and that you felt in the end, the person you found was, you had the success because of the fit, mm-hmm. how you were able to work together, the trust you put in this person, most right. likely. Because of the trust I felt, and also, I would say, who thought differently than me, which I think that was also me being at a place where I was ready for that, because I think a lot of times we think, oh, this person looks like me, acts like me, or that I see that in the therapist, mm. and so you might think that that's what it needs to look like in order for you to line up, but he couldn't have looked any different than me. And, um, well, that's not true, but I mean, we were both humans, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But as far as the right. way he dressed and his, um, he, he was just, he, he was amazing. And, um, what I really enjoyed about him was his, now I can call it a therapeutic alliance. I can't remember all the things we talked about. All I know is I felt heard in a way I had never felt heard and understood without judgment. And um, he helped me just find a curiosity. Okay. And I remember thinking if there is a way for, because I had gone through other counselors, for somebody to look me in the eye and say, you will not always feel the way you're feeling today this overwhelmed can't I don't even know what to do except for to put one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. tomorrow with myself my life this crisis this problem Um, I would have given him my right arm to to take that from me and I once the process was done with him I really truly felt like I if I could do that for someone, sometime, somewhere, I didn't end up going to school for several more years uh, to become a therapist, but he planted this seed in me of meeting someone where they're at. If you can do that with someone, you give them permission to do the work they need to do. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So we talked about at the start of the show of what's the most important thing and in your personal story, you don't even beat around the bush. You're like, that was the thing. That was the thing. It wasn't necessarily that he had the bright idea or he gave me the thought that changed my mind. It was just that he allowed or made you feel like you could work through all that stuff. And when you thought about coming to therapy to see him weekly or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you were probably excited or jazzed to be there or interested. Right. I mean, it, it felt I was. right. It felt like. It felt like progressive work and so much so he was doing teletherapy before that was even cool because I moved to California mid um, treatment and or mid sessions with him and we would chat over the phone um, once a week. And um, when I returned to Utah later, I think I saw him a couple times more, but 
Um, that alliance was so important to me. I carried it across state lines <laughs> and he just, he will forever hold a place wow. in my heart. So do you, uh, this is, I guess, a geeky question. When you're doing therapy now, do, are you like mimicking him at times? I mean, are there... <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I could only... There, I, that would be insulting to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> too. He was just... He'd been practicing for 40 plus years by yeah. the time I met him. And I'm this 21-year-old and he was near the end of his career. Mm -hmm. I think he was in his late 60s and had come out from New York to ski for a weekend and ended up moving here because he loved it so much. Wow, wow. And so he was, um, I think I caught him at the right time in his career too, that he was, um, he was just, and maybe he'd always been relaxed. I don't picture New York therapist says, well, <laughs> 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 relax, that sounds funny, but he was just exactly what I needed. Yeah. At well, the time. Yeah, but I think even to the Alliance is you were what he needed too. I mean, I think we now we're as therapists. It is just so different to be with a client who somehow the thing is working. It's it's we're making progress. Um, we're having great discussions. I mean, some of these discussions I've had have just been unbelievable. And I think the only way you can have those is because the two people trust each other. And, and that's exciting for the therapist too. I think just think it just, it's a synergy that just makes the thing even more better. Totally. That's so funny. You would say that the word was synergy in my mind, that there are just moments of synergy and they don't happen every session or even every day. But if you can have that with a client, it's magic. Yeah, It really can be that moment when you are saying to someone this feeling that you're carrying around this you know this roadblock this thing you don't it doesn't have to be like that yeah again a life-changing thing that is now being multiplied right because you liked what you saw liked what you heard mm -hmm. became Took me 20 years to get there <laughs> <laughs> became inspired by this thing um mm -hmm. this one um alliance or working relationship, whatever you want to call it, turned into something entirely positive that even then you didn't really see, you know, when you first walked in the room with this person, or maybe even a couple of sessions, you were probably curious or whatever, but I mean, it, then you could not see what this could turn into. It was beyond your vision, mm -hmm. I guess. You had to trust the person yeah. that they knew where to take you, mm -hmm. and that, in this case, felt right, and you, you, you volunteered. You went along with it. I went along with it and I leaned in and I embraced my, what I now lovingly call OCD tendencies. Instead of letting it cripple me, I, they're lovable tendencies <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that I can say, that's annoying, but that's the way my brain works. And instead of letting it run my life and I allow other people's to other people, other clients to see that in me. I like maybe like what you're saying of, Hey, I'm like you. Yeah. That it's okay. This doesn't have to run your life. Yeah. The, the I'm like you means we battle stuff too. Mm -hmm. We just have more tools or have thought about how to integrate this in our life mm -hmm. and make it so it doesn't run us, mm -hmm. I guess is the, the, the message there. Um, the, the figuring it out part is learning how to deal with your emotions that typically we don't have a lot of control over. Right. Um, right. Those are called robots. <laughs> those are robots. <laughs> <laughs> Which we are not. We're mm -hmm. glad we are not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything to add on your story? Any parting, no. parting information? I, honestly, that's my story. I don't know if you have any questions. I eventually went, um, I, I chose marriage and family therapy. He was a psychiatrist counselor, okay. which yeah. was super rare too. Did he smoke in uh, session? Was he like chain smoking? Man, that would be a great <laughs> image, right? If he had a pipe. Oh, he there you go. He did wear sweet sweater. Vests. Oh, okay. He did wear some sweet. Were you laying on a couch? Did you get to lay on a couch? <laughs> Isn't that so lame? Oh. <laughs> you would think his New York roots would come yeah. out in that. Yeah, wow. I probably laid down on a couch once in a while, but my memory was a cushy chair. Okay. But right. he was, um, he just planted a seed. That's yeah. really what it was as, um, as I felt better and felt, uh, more able to just be forgiving of self and, and say, Oh, I do have stuff. 
and I can work through it and I do have all the capability in me. I realized I wanted to share that. I want to do that. And so I found marriage and family, just the study of systems to be the most in line with the way I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. We all, I guess, find our own methods, I guess, and that kind of thing and what we believe in or what we, what we, our personal experience has led us to. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of people do get into this profession later in life. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't have any real stats on this, but I think it's quite common mm-hmm. actually to have folks who look like they've been doing this for a while, but really haven't. <laughs> right. <laughs> we went to the school of hard knocks. We That's what it was. To the school. Well, I, I think that that is part of the education. Yeah. Often my feeling was had I not had the 20 years of experience of life, mm. I would, this would be so hard for me. Yeah. Oh, I would have been just horrible at this. I think I just, I needed the life experience. Right. Oh, yeah. I know totally. I would have been, it wasn't even a, yeah, I would have been completely awful. Think of what the uh, great <laughs> words of wisdom you could have shared. It would have been few. I think my dad used to say that that wouldn't have made a very big book. <laughs> that um, is really accurate. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad it turned out for you, turned out for us. You're here. You're doing wonderful things. So, Great story, I guess a great ending to this podcast, talking about the Alliance and how that was a a thing for you. So I'm glad you shared that. Hope you folks tune in again for another episode of Counselors Can Help. Our mission is to spread the word that counselors can help. We want to teach you how to get started and get the most out of therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a professional in your area to help yourself through a loved one. Thank you to Kelsey Fink, our production assistant and chief of technology and social media. Thanks to Aspire Counseling at AspireUT.com for their support. If you want to know more about how counselors can help, go to counselorscanhelp.com. We have lots of resources, information, and we update it all the time. Views expressed on the show are those of myself, my guests, for the benefit of mental health discussion and are not the views of any outside organization. We'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help, a production of Merge Publishing.